You can talk all you want to about God and what he can do for you, but you'll never know what God can do until you walk through the fire. You never know what God can do until you've been sick and you got to heal it. Hallelujah, he's a lawyer in the courtroom. And sometimes you need a lawyer in the courtroom. When you know you're guilty, you know you're messed up, but you need God's help. God says, I give you favor and grace sometimes. You'll never know until you've walked through the fire and experienced your deliverance. Welcome to The Light of the World, and this is Jerry G. Martin. The only hope we have is in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter what you're going through. The hope in Christ is eternal. You may be facing some tremendous challenges right now. Join us today as we share this message with you about hope. Jesus gave a parable about the faithful steward. And he told his disciples this. He said, from everyone who has been given much, much is required. You've heard it this way. To whom much is given, much is required. And this is a principle that relates to Christians' response to their salvation. God has given us salvation. We've been looking at the epistle of 1 Peter. The epistle is a letter that he wrote to the church. And in that letter, Peter the apostle describes salvation's place in God's foreordained plan. I want you to know that God does nothing without purpose. Everything he does has a purpose. And when he brought us to himself, and when he saved us, he saved us on purpose. And the Bible says it was with his foreknowledge. He knew that he was going to save you before you showed up. And it was Peter who went through some very challenging times as he struggled with his commitment and his own personal obedience to Christ. If you would read the New Testament Gospels, you would see Peter. He was a little bit arrogant, and he was one of these outspoken, and he would speak sometime before he would think about what he was saying. He was the one who said to Jesus, I will never leave you, and I will not forsake you. You can always depend on me. He was one of these people who said, now, Pastor, you can depend on me. I'm going to be there. But when Jesus got arrested, they couldn't find him. He was like, you know my heart, Pastor. I was there in spirit. And people will say that to you. You know, Pastor, I say, where were you? I've been there in spirit. You know what I tell them? The next time, let your spirit give an offering. But then Peter found himself as the leader, the pastor, if you will, of the New Testament church. He was in charge of the church in the New Testament. And he had the sensitivity to the challenges and the trials of the people in the church. You know, when you go through something and then you have to lead others, God will use your own trials to help other people. All things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purposes. So just because you've had issues in the past, don't let it keep you from doing what God wants you to do in the future. Well, you know what happened? Yeah, well, just tell the people that happened, but God brought me out. 
When Peter took time to write to the church his letter of encouragement, that what was on his mind. How do I encourage the people of God? And then how do I instruct the people of God? And it is the message, it is the ministry of the pastor and the leader in the church to encourage and to instruct. We spend 95% of our time encouraging. Oh yes, and we like to, we should encourage. Get, 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 get ready. God's going to bless you another seven ways in seven days. Come on, your blessings is in front of you. This is your new season. Come on, you need another anointing. You got power, you got, that's encouraging. That's not instructing. And we like to be encouraging, don't we? That's when we stand up with our handkerchief and say, preach, pastor, preach. Right? That's encouraging. But when we start instructing, that's when it gets quiet. And that's when they'll say to me after the service, Pastor, you stepped all over my feet. I said, get them out the aisle. Get them out of the aisle. You stepped on my toes this morning, Pastor. Get your foot out the aisle. Because I'm coming down that aisle right now. We are to instruct you so you will know how to function according to God's principles and God's command. Now, don't you want to know that? Had a, had a situation this week. I went to... Um, one of the contractors that worked on our building. I went to his business and talked to all of his employees about my dissatisfaction with the job they did for us. And I said to them, I could do one of two things. We got another phase that we're working on. We can not even contact you and let you do that work. Or I can get with you and instruct you as to what my experience has been, and then you work on that, and then we can continue doing business. Now, which one would you want us to do? So as a pastor, I can just let you keep on doing what you want to do, or I can tell you how to be successful in the things of God. Now, which one do you want? And he said, tell us. So I said, let me tell you exactly what my experience has been. On a scale of 1 to 10, if I were to rate your company, I would give you a 4. I will not recommend you to anybody else that would ask me. These are the reasons why. This is what my expectation was, and this is what, this is what your customer service was like. And the boss man was there. And I said, and even the boss man, after I told him this, said he was going to come and do something, and I haven't heard from you yet. I mean, I was nice. I said, I'm not mad. I'm not angry. I'm just sharing with you from the customer's perspective so that you can make the proper adjustments so you can be successful so you won't be out of business and you won't lose your job and you'll be broke. Several people pulled me to the side afterward. That wasn't good to hear, but we really needed that. Sometimes when we give instructions out of the Word of God, you have to say, that wasn't good to hear, but I really needed that. And that is what the job of the ministers and the pastors are, not to beat people over the head or to try to beat you down, but sometimes the truth pierces. But if you'll take that truth and apply it to your life, you'll be successful in the things of God. Elder Shepherd was up here and he was talking about tithing, and some people don't want to hear about that. You can't tell me what to do, you know. You, can, you don't have to do that. But if you do that, God's going to bless you. Do you want to know that or not? We know that God's going to bless you if you honor him with the first fruit of your increase and be obedient to the word. We know that. 
That's why we don't beg for money. We ain't going to put you under no pressure. Now, I'm one of these people, my wife will tell you, and if I tell you a couple of times you don't want to do that, I ain't saying nothing else to you. And the Lord said, say something to him. I said, I already told him. <laughs> say something else to him. They need to hear it again. Lord, I already told them people. They know how to do. If it was up to me, I would just tell you one time and I'd leave it alone. The Lord said, they got to hear it again. They weren't there last Sunday. <laughs> Some of y'all wasn't here last Sunday. And I know who you are. So I have to say it again. So those of you who were here last Sunday, don't go to sleep. I'm going to change it up a little bit and give it back out. So we take the Word of God and we give it to you. We take the same thing and we give it to you in different ways. Sometimes we give it to you straight. Sometimes it's chopped. Sometimes it's whipped. Sometimes it's purry. And sometimes it's liquid. But we're going to give you the same thing. Peter then begins to speak to the church. 1 Peter chapter 1, he begins by telling them, number one, that they were elected and they were chosen. He said, you've been elected by God and you've been chosen by God. And then he tells them, in his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I want you to know who you are. You are elected, you are chosen, you are special, and God has given you a new birth, and you ought to be happy about that. Anybody happy about having a new birth? Don't ever get so far and so holy you forget that you got saved, and it wasn't on your own. It was a grace of God that came into your life, and if you are saved, you ought to just remember, you know I'm saved. That has its benefits. And then he says, God has given us an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, and is kept in heaven for you. And he went on even to say, you should then, knowing that, be filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. You know, a few weeks ago we talked about having that joy no matter what's going on in your life. You believers, you got to have a joy, not because of what's going on outside, but because of what's going on on the inside of you. There's stuff on the outside that'll make you worried and make you anxious, but if you got something on the inside of you knowing that God is going to see you through, you can have some joy. Now, I want to go to verse 13. In verse 13, Peter now shifts from describing and explaining the nature of salvation to commanding those who've received salvation concerning your obligation and your responsibility now that you've received salvation. And these obligations can be summed up in these two words. It is hope and holiness. So let's look at what he says. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, everybody say therefore. therefore, prepare your minds for action, be self-controlled, set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Christ Jesus is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. He was talking to us. Be holy for I am holy. Now, let's go back. Verse 13 begins 
with therefore. Therefore moves the hearer, moves the reader from a statement to an application. It directs the believer to the emphasis of this verse, which is to set your hope. Set your hope and then focus on your holiness. But the first things he says, therefore, look at what he says, prepare your mind for action. Today, I want to encourage you now, and I want you to think about it. I want you to start getting your mind right. I want you to start to prepare your mind. I want you to think about it. I want you to get yourself together. That means get your mind on this and get right. Get your understanding. Focus your heart. Focus your mind. Get your mind on this. We're not going to do anything for ourselves or anyone else unless we make up our mind to do so. We're certainly not going to do anything for God, and God is not going to do anything through us unless we have consciously focused on and decided and made up our mind that that's what we're going to do. People do what they make up their mind to do. People do what they make up their mind to do. Now, I've been pastoring for a little while. I've gone through ups and downs and my own frustration with folk until I've decided the reason they're not doing it is because they don't want to. They can have any kind of excuse they want to. Now, you know, pastor, say, I haven't seen you in about three months. Well, pastor, you know, I've been working and I've been doing this. I'm saying, you know what? People who want to be here, they're here. If you want to be in the service, if that's your passion, that's your priority, you're going to be in the service. I don't care what your situation is. I know that. If you're in jail, start a prison ministry. You're going to be in church when you want to be in church. Ain't nobody going to stop you from that. Bishop Leon, when he comes, he says an excuse is a dressed-up lie with a hat on. (laughs) All these excuses and all that, Peter is saying, now listen, before we go to anything else, I'm telling you to prepare your mind. Get your mind right. Now, do you ever think that here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be obedient to whatever God's word say. You ever consciously stop and make up your mind, you know what, my purpose and my heart, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be obedient to the word of God. No, we don't even stop and think about that. We don't say that. We don't focus our heart on that. I'm going to live a holy life. I'm getting myself together so that I can live a holy life. We don't think about that. Peter said, until you prepare your mind, you're not going to do any of this. You're just going to hear it. You're going to go through the motion and you're going to go home and you're going to come back like nothing ever been said. He said, prepare your mind. He uses therefore, which says this in effect, it says, in view of the fact that even though you are undergoing all kinds of trials, yet because your heavenly inheritance wait for you, this is what you need to do. You need to prepare your mind for some action. Uh, People do that in different arenas. If you've ever been around athletes that perform highly, you go into the locker room before the football game in the playoffs. You know, they're not talking about what they're going to do after the game. They're not doing any of that. Those guys are in there, and some of them are in a corner by themselves, getting their mind focused. The basketball playoffs are going right now. The people whose minds ain't on it, they're not in the playoffs. But the teams who are still there, the, the Rockets, they got, they, if they lose today, they, they might as well just hang it up. I guarantee you right now, they're over there saying, this is my assignment. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I'm supposed to be focusing on. They got to get their mind right before the game get good. Because if the mind ain't right, 
the game is not going to be any good. And there's no different in our lives and what we want to get done, whether it's serving the Lord or whether you're trying to be successful in business. If your mind is not right about what you're trying to do, you're not going to be successful in it. Now, what was this expression, getting your mind right? Now, if you have the King James Version, if you're looking at this passage, it says, gird up the loins of your mind. We don't know what that means. We don't know about gird and we don't know anything about loins. But what that meant, he he used this expression that they understood when he wrote to them because they wore these long flowing gowns and and dress. And he says, if we're going to get in some action, well, let me put it this way. Uh, If he was here today, he'd tell those those hip hoppers who wear their pants all the way down. (laughs) You're getting ready to get into a fight. You might have to run. You pull your pants up. Because you got some action. You ever seen them? I've seen them get in some, they're trying to rob the stove, and then they're running, and they can't run because their pants falling down. Well, you got some action coming up here. We got to pull these pants up and put our belt on because some action is finna occur. He's saying, get rid of anything that's going to restrict you. Girdle it up, tie it up, pull up that stuff and get it tied up because there's some, you have to get involved in some action in this life we're getting ready to live. Things are going to be coming at you right and left, and you can't be focused on pulling up your pants. The recipient of this letter were reminded by Paul that they were also strangers in this land. We're strangers in this world. We have been temporarily settled in this pagan society, and you got to be ready to move. We are strangers and aliens. Once you become a believer, you have come out of the kingdom of darkness and you have gone into the kingdom of God. You are now strangers in the world that is run by the kingdom of darkness. We don't belong here. This is not our home. This is a temporary assignment. We don't function. We can't function according to the ways of the world and the things of the world and be blessed in the kingdom of God. So it was not the physical exertion that Peter had in mind here. It was a mental and a spiritual exertion. He said, girdle up your mind. Get rid of the things such as worry and fear and jealousy and hate and unforgiveness, and impurities, and all of these things in our minds, get rid of that stuff so we can move forward in the kingdom of God. See, the things that we hold on in our minds prevent us and prevent the Holy Spirit from using us in our minds and in our hearts to be fruitful in the kingdom. We can't be fruitful because we've got all this stuff in our minds. I already know that. You ain't got to say amen. We worried about our family. We're worried about the children. We're worried about the job. We're worried about our health. Worried about what Trump going to do. Worried about all kinds of stuff. You can't do nothing about it, but you're still worried about it. Worried about Korea, nuclear weapons. Worried about something somebody talking about you don't even know nothing about, but you're worried about it. How many of you worried about the Zika? You didn't know what the Zika was. Now you're worried about the Zika. They always going to have something for you to be worried about. You can't eat what you used to eat because it ain't no good. And when you get rid of that, they tell you, well, we made a mistake. It is good. (laughs) I mean, they always got something. So just eat what you want to eat. You ain't going to live forever no how. (laughs) I heard a report yesterday that the organic ain't always organic. It's a hustle. Now, they're selling you all kind of water. I told you, that's the biggest hustle they ever came up with, sell you water. 
Now they got all kind of flavors. You don't want plain water no more. These folks is trying to get in your pocket. Just get you a glass and get to open the hydrant, get you some water and go somewhere and sit down. What's worrying you? What's on your mind? Somebody said, what's in your wallet? <laughs> they want to get in your wallet. No, what's on your mind? That's what I meant. What's on your mind? What's worrying you this morning? What's causing you pain? Folks that don't have no relationship, they're worried about that and they're anxious. Folks that got one, they're worried about that one and they're anxious. You're trying to get somebody, they're trying to get rid of somebody. <laughs> See, when your mind is clear of worry and fear and all those activities, you're freed up so God can use you. The enemy knows what to do to attack believers. He knows that once you're saved, that he cannot mess with your eternal life, so he starts messing with your natural life by giving you all these things. He'll get you busy, he'll get you under anxiousness, anxiety, and everything, and you worried, and you are worried, and you are worried about that. Peter says, get your mind together. And then he says, be self-controlled. The King James says, be sober. The word means to be calm and collected in spirit and temperament and circumspect. No matter what's going on, be calm. It speaks of the state of mind in which the individual is self-controlled and is able to see things without the distortion caused by worry and fear and related attitudes. When the pressure is on for believers, when the anxiety level should be high for others, the believers ought to be the one in the room who says, and my God shall supply all of my need. I will cast my cares upon the Lord, for he cares for me. I will be anxious for nothing, but in all things with thanksgiving, I will make my request known to the Lord. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. That's what the believer ought to be saying. Instead of just falling apart like everybody else. And then he says we ought to set our hope fully on the grace to be given you when Christ Jesus is revealed. We have a hope and we have a future. We got something to look forward to no matter what's going on right now. Remember, we're just passing through. Peter had spoken about the saints' inheritance in the last time. He says when Jesus comes, that's when you'll realize the hope of everything you've been going through. Where your help and your hope is on the way. We have been justified by faith in our salvation. Now we are being sanctified as we're working out our salvation. But then there's going to be a time when we're going to be glorified and live with Jesus Christ. There's an old hymn that says the only hope we have is in Christ Jesus with all the things that are going on in our country and in our community and perhaps even in our own homes, we need the eternal hope that the Lord Jesus Christ brings through his salvation. This is Jerry G. Martin, and I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to hear it again, you can go to our podcast at The Light of the World Daily with Jerry G. Martin. You can listen to today's message or any previous messages that you've heard on this station. We are in a place where it is time to rebuild. It was Nehemiah who said about the walls in Jerusalem, the walls have been torn down and the gates of the city has been burned to wit fire. 
at the light of the world, we are preparing for a week of fasting and prayer. And you can join right along with us. We're going to have in-person prayer every evening beginning Monday, November the 1st through Friday, November the 5th at 7 p.m. at our main sanctuary at 16161 Old Umber Road. And you're welcome to join along with us as we're going to pray over our country. We're going to pray over our community. We're going to pray over our families. Again, that's November 1st through 5th, 7 o'clock p.m. You can come from all over the city and join us right here in the humble North Houston area. You're also invited to be our guest each Sunday at 10 a.m. for our morning service in person. We are coming back together, worshiping God and reaching people for His kingdom. For more information, you can call us at 281-964-1393 or visit us online at lowcf.org. Now for the light of the world, this is Jerry G. Martin saying, May the Lord our God richly bless you, and we'll be with you again next time.